Chapter 9 of The Martyrs of Science. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Martyrs of Science by David Brewster. Life of Tycho Brahe. Chapter 3 Tycho's labors do honor to his country. Death of Frederick II. James Fourth of Scotland visits Tycho to Raniburg. Christian Fourth visits Tycho. The Duke of Brunswick's visit to Tycho. The Danish nobility, jealous of his fame, conspire against him. He is compelled to quit Uraniburg and to abandon his studies. Cruelty of Minister Walchendorp. Tycho quits Denmark with his family and instruments. His hospitably received by Count Ranzu who introduces him to the Emperor Rudolf. The Emperor invites him to Prague. He gives him a pension of 3,000 crowns and the castle of Benak as a residence and an observatory. Kepler visits Tycho, who obtains for him the appointment of mathematician to Rudolf. The love of astronomy, which had been so unequivocally exhibited by Frederick II and his royal consort, inspired their courtiers with at least an outward respect for science and among the ministers and the advisers of the king tycho reckoned many ardent friends it was everywhere felt that denmark had elevated herself among the nations of europe by her liberality to tycho and the peaceful glory which he had in return conferred upon his country was not of a kind to dissatisfy even rival nations in the conquest of science no widows or orphans tears are shed no captives are dragged from their homes and no devoted victims are yoked to the chariot wheels of triumphant philosopher the newly acquired domains of knowledge belong in right of conquest to all nations and denmark had now earned the gratitude of europe by the magnitude as well as the success of her contingent an event however now occurred which threatened with destruction the interests of danish science in the beginning of april fifteen eighty eight Frederick II died in the fifty-fourth year of his age and the twenty-ninth of his reign. His remains were conveyed to Rothschild and deposited in the chapel under Tycho's care, where a finely executed bust of him was afterwards placed. His son and successor, Christian IV, was only in the eleventh year of his age, and though his temper and disposition were good, yet Tycho had reason to be alarmed at the possibility of his discontinuing the patronage of astronomy. The taste for science, however, which had sprung up in the danish court had extended itself no wider than the influence of the reigning sovereign the parasites of royalty saw themselves eclipsed in the bright renown which tycho had acquired and every new visit to uraniburg by a foreign prince supplied fresh fuel to the rancor which had long been smothering in their breasts the ascension of a youthful king held out to his enemies an opportunity of destroying the influence of tycho and though no adverse steps was taken yet he had the sagacity to foresee in trifles light as air the approaching confirmation of his fears hope however still cheered him amid his labours but that hope was founded chiefly on the learning and character of nicholas cassius the chancellor of the kingdom from whom he had experienced the warmest attentions among the princes who visited uraniburg there were none who conducted themselves with more condescension and generosity than our own sovereign james fourth 
in the year fifteen ninety when the scottish king repaired to denmark to celebrate his marriage with prince anne the king's sister he paid a visit to tycho attended by his counsellors and a large suite of nobility during the eight days which he spent at uraniburg james carried on long discussions with tycho on various subjects but chiefly on the motion which copernicus had ascribed to the earth he exclaimed narrowly all the astronomical instruments and made himself acquainted with the principles of their construction and the method of using them he inspected the busts and the pictures in the museum and when he perceived the portrait of george buchanan his own perceptor he could not refrain from the strongest expressions of delight upon quitting the hospitable roof of tycho james not only presented him with a magnificent donation but afterwards gave him his royal license to publish his works in england during seventy years the license was accompanied with the following high eulogium on his abilities and learning nor have i become acquainted with these kings only from the relations of others or from a bare inspection of your works but i have seen them before my own eyes and i have heard them with my own ears in your residence at uraniburg and i have drawn them from the various learned and agreeable conversations which i there held with you and which even now affect my mind to such a degree that it is difficult to determine whether i recollect them with greater pleasure or admiration as i now willingly testify by this license to present and to future generations at the request of tycho the king composed and wrote in his own hand some latin verses which were more complimentary than classical his chancellor had composed some verses of a similar character during his visit to tycho a short specimen of these will be deemed sufficient by the classical reader vidit e obustipui rex huenam scotius almam miratus clari tot monumento viri in the year fifteen ninety one christian fourth had reached his fourteenth year he expressed a desire to pay a visit to uraniburg he accordingly set out with a large party consisting of his three principal senators and other councillors and noblemen and having examined the various instruments in the observatories and laboratory he proposed to tycho various questions on mechanics and mathematics but particularly on the principles of fortification and shipbuilding having observed that he had particularly admired a brass globe which by means of internal wheelwork imitated the diurnal motion of the heavens the rising and setting of the sun and the phases of the moon tycho made him a present of it and received in return an elegant gold chain with his majesty's picture with an assurance of his unalterable attachment and protection notwithstanding this assurance tycho had already as we have stated began to suspect the designs of his enemies and in a letter addressed to langrave of hesse early in fifteen ninety one he throws out some hints which indicated the anxieties that agitated his mind the langrave of hesse as if he had heard some rumours unfavourable to the prospects of tycho requested him to write him respecting the state of the kingdom and concerning his own private affairs to this letter which was dated early in february tycho replied about the beginning of april he informed the langrave that he had a private life in his own island exempt from all official functions and never willingly taking a part in public affairs he was desirous of leaving the ambition of public honours to others and of devoting himself wholly to the study of philosophy and astronomy and he expressed a hope that if he should be involved in tumults and troubles of life either by his own destiny or by evil counsels he might be able by the blessing of god to extricate himself by the force of his mind and the integrity of his life he comforted himself with the idea that every soil was the country of a great man 
and that wherever he went the blue sky would still be over his head and he distinctly states at the close of his letter that he had thought of transferring his residence to some other place as there were some of the king's counsellors who had already begun to culminate his studies and to grudge him his pension from the treasury the causes which led to this change of feeling on the part of christian force advisers have not been explained by the biographers of tycho it has been stated in general terms that he had made many enemies by the keenness of his temper and the severity of his satire but i have not been able to discover any distinct example of these peculiarities of this mind in an event indeed which occurred about this time he slightly resented a piece of marked incivility on the part of henry julius duke of brunswick who had married the princess eliza of denmark but it is not likely that so trivial an affair if it were known at court could have called down upon him the hostility of king's advisers the duke of brunswick had in fifteen ninety paid a visit to uraniburg and had particularly admired an antique brass statue of mercury about a cubit long which tycho had placed in the roof of the hypocaust on the central crypt of the steinberg observatory by means of a concealed mechanism it moved round in circular orbit the duke requested the statue and its machinery which tycho gave him on the condition that he should obtain a model of it for the purpose of having another executed by a skilful workman the duke not only forgot his promise but paid no attention to the letters which were addressed to him tycho was justly irritated at this unprincely conduct and ordered his anecdote to be inserted in the inscription of uraniburg which he was now preparing for publication in the year fifteen ninety two tycho lost his distinguished friend and correspondent the prince of hesse and astronomy one of its most active and intelligent cultivators his grief on this occasion was deep and sincere he gave utterance to his feelings in an impassioned elegy in which he recorded the virtues and talents of his friend prince maurice the son and successor of landgrave continued with the assistance of able observers to keep up the reputation of the observatory of hesse castle and the observations which were there made were afterwards published by snellius the extensive and valuable correspondence between tycho and the landgrave was prepared for publication about the beginning of fifteen ninety three and contains also the letters of rotham and ranzau for several years the studies of tycho had been treated with an unwilling toleration by the danish court many of the nobles envied the munificent establishment which he had received from frederick and the liberal pension which he drew from his treasury but among his most active enemies were some physicians who envied his reputation as a successful and gracious practitioner of the healing art numbers of invalids flocked to fuyen and diseases which resisted all other methods of cure are said to have yielded to the panaceal prescription of the astrologer under the influence of such motives these individuals succeeded in exciting against tycho the hostility of the court they drew the public attention to the exhausted state of the treasury they maintained that he had possessed too long the state in norway which might be given to men who laboured more usefully for the commonwealth and they accused him of allowing the chapel at rostchild to fall into decay the president of the council christopher walkendorp and the king's chancellor were the most active of the enemies of tycho and having poisoned the mind of their sovereign against the most meritorious of his subjects tycho was deprived of his canonry his estate in norway and his pension being no longer able to bear the expenses of his establishment in hoyen 
and dreading that the feelings which had been excited against him might be still further roused so as to deprive him of the island of huyen itself he resolved to transfer his instruments to some other situation notwithstanding this resolution he remained with his family in the island and continued his observations till the spring of fifteen ninety seven when he took a house in copenhagen and removed to it all his smaller and more portable instruments leaving those which are large or fixed in the crypts of Strainberg. His first plan was to remove everything from Huyen as a measure of security, but the public feeling began to turn in his favour, and there were many good men in Copenhagen who did not scruple to reprobate the conduct of the government. The president of the council, Valkendorp, a name which, while the heavens revolve, will be pronounced with horror by astronomers, saw the change of the sentiment which his injustice had produced, and adopted an artful method of sheltering himself from public odium in consequence of a quarrel with tycho the recollection of which had rankled in his breast he dreaded to be the prime mover in his persecution he therefore appointed a committee of two persons one of whom was thomas fuscius to report to the government on the nature and utility of the studies of tycho these two individuals were entirely ignorant of astronomy and the use of instruments and even if they had not they would have been equally subservient to the views of the minister they reported that the studies of tycho were of no value and that they were not only useless but noxious armed with this report valkendorp prohibited tycho in the king's name from continuing his chemical experiments and instigated no doubt by this wicked minister an attack was made upon himself and a shepherd or a steward was injured in the affray Tycho was provoked to revenge himself upon his enemies, and the judge was commanded not to interfere in the matter. Thus persecuted by his enemies, Tycho resolved to remain no longer in the ungrateful country. He carried from heaven everything that was movable, and having packed up his instruments, his crucibles, and his books, he hired a ship to convey them to some foreign land. His wife, his five sons and four daughters, his male and female servants, and many of his pupils and assistants, among whom were Tengnagel, his future son-in-law, and the celebrated Longo Montanus, embarked at Copenhagen to seek the hospitality of some better country than their own. Freighted with the glory of Denmark, this interesting bark made the best of its way across the Baltic and arrived safely at Rostock. Here the exiled patriarch found many of his early friends particularly henry bruce an able astronomer to whom he had formally presented one of his brass quadrants the approach of plague however prevented tycho from making any arrangements for a permanent residence and having received a warm invitation from count henry ranzo who lived in holstein at the castle of vandesberg near hamburg he went with all his family about the end of fifteen ninety seven to enjoy the hospitality of his friend Though Tycho derived the highest pleasure from the kindness and conversation of Count Ranzau, yet a cloud overshadowed the future, and he had yet to seek for a patron and a home. His hopes were fixed on Emperor Rudolph, who was not only fond of science, but who was especially addicted to alchemy and astrology, and his friend Ranzau promised to have him introduced to the emperor by proper letters. When Tycho learned that Rudolph was particularly fond of mechanical instruments and of chemistry, he resolved to complete and to dedicate to him his work on the mechanics of astronomy and to add to it an account of his chemical labours this task he soon performed 
and his work appeared in 1598 under the title of Brahe, Astronomy in Statue Mechanica. Along with this work, he transmitted to the emperor a copy of his manuscript catalogue of thousand fixed stars. With these proofs of his service to science, and instigated by various letters in his favour, the emperor Rudolph desired his vice-chancellor to send for Tycho, and to assure him that he would be received according to his great merits, and that nothing would should be wanting to promote his scientific studies. Leaving his wife and daughters at Vandersburg, and taking with him his sons and his pupils, Tycho went to Wittenberg, but having learned that the plague had broken out at Prague, and that the emperor had gone to Pilsen, he deferred for a while his journey into Bohemia. Early in the spring 1599, when the pestilence had ceased at Prague, and the emperor had returned to his capital, Tycho set out for Bohemia. On his arrival at Prague, he found a splendid house ready for his reception, and a kind message from the emperor prohibiting him from paying his respects to him till he had recovered from the fatigues of his journey. On his presentation to Rudolph, the generous emperor received him with the most distinguished kindness. He announced to him that he had to receive an annual pension of three thousand crowns, that an estate would, as soon as possible, be settled upon him and his family and their successors, that a town house would be provided for him, and that he might have his choice of various castles and houses in the country as a site of his observatory and laboratory. The emperor had also taken care to provide everything that was necessary for Tycho's immediate wants, and so overwhelmed was he with such unexpected kindness that he remarked that, as he could not find words to express his gratitude, the whole heavens should speak for him, and the posterity should know what a refuge his great and good sovereign had been to the queen of the arts. Among the numerous friends whom Tycho found at Prague were his correspondents, Corodotius and Hegesius, and his benefactor, Barovicius, the emperor's secretary. He was congratulated by them all on his distinguished reception at court, and was regarded at the Aeneas of Science, who had been driven from his peaceful home, and who had carried with them to the Latium of the Germany his wife, his children, and his household gods. If external circumstances could remove the sorrows of the past, Tycho must now have been supremely happy. In his spacious mansion, which had belonged to his friend, Crucius, he had a position for one of his best instruments, and having covered with his poetical inscriptions the four sides of the pedestal on which it stood, in honour of his benefactors as well as of former astronomers, he resumed with diligence his examination of the stars. When Rudolph saw the magnificent instruments which Tycho had brought along with him, and had acquired some knowledge of their use, he pressed him to send to Denmark for the still larger ones which he had left at Steinberg. In the meantime, he gave him the choice of castles at Branzium, Lisa, and Benach as his country residence, and after visiting them about the end of May, Tycho gave the preference to Benach, which was situated upon a rising ground and commanded an extensive horizon. It contained splendid and commodious buildings, and was almost, as he calls it, a small city situated on the stream Lizor, near its confluence with the Albers. It stood a little to the east and north of Prague, and was distant from that city only five German miles, or about six hours' journey. On the 20th August, the prefect of Branzium gave Tycho possession of his new residence, 
his gratitude to his royal patron was copiously displayed not only in a latin poem written on the occasion but in latin inscriptions which he placed above the doors of his observatory and his laboratory in order that he might establish an astronomical school at prague he wrote to logomonitus kepler muller david fabricius and two students at wittemberg who were good calculators requesting them to reside with them at benach as his assistants and pupils he at the same time dispatched his distant son-in-law technical accompanied by pascal muller's to bring home his wife and daughters from vandesburg and his instruments from huyen and he begged that logomonotanus would accompany them to denmark and return in the same carriage with them to bohemia kepler arrived at prague in january sixteen hundred and after spending three or four months at benach in carrying on his inquiries and in making astronomical observations he returned to graz tycho had undertaken to obtain for him the appointment of his assistant it was arranged that the emperor should allow him a hundred florins on the condition that the states of styria would permit him to retain his salary for two years this scheme however failed and kepler was about to study medicine and offer himself for a professorship of medicine at tubingen when tycho undertook to obtain him a permanent appointment from the emperor kepler accordingly returned in september sixteen o one and on the recommendation of his friend he was named imperial mathematician on the condition of assisting tycho in his observations tycho had experienced much inconvenience in his residence at benach from his ignorance of the language and the customs of the country as well as from other causes he was therefore anxious to transfer his instruments to prague and no sooner were his wishes conveyed to the emperor than he gave him leave to send them to the royal gardens and the adjacent buildings his family and his larger instruments having now arrived from huyen the astronomer with his family and his property were safely lodged in the royal edifice having found that there was no house in prague more suited for his purpose than that of his late friend crucius the emperor purchased it from his widow and tycho moved into it on the twenty fifth february sixteen o one end of chapter nine read by lambda